And welcome to Jack Chat, presented by the Journal of Athletic Training, the official journal of the National Athletic Trainers Association. I'm Dr. Kara Radzak, an assistant professor at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and your host today for Jack Chat. The purpose of today's event is to provide an open forum for athletic trainers and other healthcare professionals to ask questions and discuss the recently published non-time loss and time loss softball injuries in secondary school athletes a report from the National Athletic Treatment Injury and Outcomes Network. This manuscript and all other Journal of Athletic Training publishing publications are freely available online. Today, I am joined by Dr. Allison Snyder-Vallier, the lead author on the manuscript and a full professor at A.T. Still University. In order to make chat chat work as smoothly as possible, we ask you to submit your questions via Facebook or as a tweet at J-A-T underscore N-A-T-A using the hashtag, hashtag chat chat, all one word. At this point in time, I would like to introduce Allison. Thank you for joining me today. Well, well thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm excited to be here and share a little bit about what we've been doing. Great. So first of all, can you share a little bit about yourself and your role at AT Still? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I'm a a professor at AT Still University, and I work in our athletic training programs. And so I teach in both our post-professional master's program and also in our doctor of athletic training program. And I primarily focus my teaching on um, patient-reported outcomes, measures, also quality improvement in athletic health care. And then I've had some experience working with um, sport injury epidemiology, and and that's sort of related to the topic we'll be talking about today. Yeah. So this study was part of the Nation Project. And can you tell us a little bit more about what the Nation Project is and the surveillance program that you utilize? Yes. So the Nation Project um, was really, um, it was developed by the Daedalus Center. um, And that was as a a call from the National Athletic Trainers Association to have more um, insight and information related to uh, the injuries that are, or the the injuries that were being experienced at secondary schools um, and things like that. So the the Nation Project is really a large surveillance effort um, at the secondary school level. And we, the focus is on reporting on the types of injuries that are experienced across um, secondary school athletes. Also, uh, a goal was to collect information related to treatments that are delivered to treat those types of injuries that are experienced at secondary school levels. Um, And also to look at patient outcomes as a result of the injuries athletes experienced and then um, the outcomes of those care over time. So that was sort of the three um, areas of focus with NATION. And then uh, their their um, surveillance effort really is um, a group of, of uh, secondary schools across the country that um, contribute information related to the types of injuries that athletes um, uh, suffer um, as a result of athletics. So you're really getting a good glimpse of clinical practice and what's being done at the grassroots level. Yes, I think so. I think that's one of the the nice things about the Nation Project is it's athletic trainers collecting information on on what's going on in their sites. Um, they're the ones reporting it, and so it really is a nice. Um, I, I don't th- a 
product within athletic training. And I think another, um, uh, just a show of that is over just in the, the time that it's been out there, there's been about 24 publications that have come from that work. So it's quite meaningful and impactful, I think, across the profession. That's awesome. And in this publication, you guys evaluated both time loss and non-time loss injuries. How did you define these two different categories of injury? Yeah, that's a great question. So Nation has used a, has really had a longstanding definition of how they differentiate that. And, and I should mention that was really um, the idea of non-time loss injuries was something that made Nation um, unique at the or because it was a look at those injuries that didn't require athletes to lose playing time. So a non-time loss injury is one that results um, in no really removal from play beyond the day of injury, whereas a time loss injury is one that um, results in removal from competition or practice um, at least one day beyond the day of injury. Um, there are some other injuries that are also included with the non-time loss, um, or I'm sorry, with the time loss definition. Those would be um, fractures or dental injuries or heat illness injuries, whether if in some cases those didn't result in time loss, they would, they're still classified that because of the significance of the injury. Thank you. So this categorization is really different compared to a lot of the epidemiology studies. And you guys talked about that in the introduction of this paper. Mm -hmm. Um, How how does evaluating non-time loss injuries fit into the overarching knowledge right now? Well, I think that that's a great question. And I think that the non getting some insight in what's going on with non-time loss injuries really, um, really is important because as you know, there, there haven't been a lot of emphasis on that historically, a lot of emphasis was on the time loss injuries. And what we found, um, across nation, the nation work is that the predominance of injuries are are a non-time loss. So I think even in the softball manuscript, it was approaching 84% of the injuries reported were non-time loss in nature. And so those, you know, when, if you were, if we only focus on the time loss, we, we can grab, gather some great information on those types of injuries, but we missed that bigger impact or bigger understanding of the broader impact of injuries across all types that um, athletes are experiencing. And then also that athletic trainers or other health professionals are, are, are managing and dealing with. So I guess I, I think a big piece of the, the puzzle is this large amount of injuries that don't require people to lose time, but are impactful in their lives. Yeah. So one of the things that's unique about nation is it's secondary school setting. Is there similar work being done with uh, club populations like club sports. So I'm. Um, I think in the the uh, Daedalus Center had has also has some work in youth sports, and some of that may involve some different clubs. Um, the definition that, and they're also involved and have been historically with the NCAA injury surveillance program. And so it, I think it's important to note that at least within their group, and I think this is expanded to some of the other um, epidemiology work out there, but. Um, their definitions of injury are the same across at least those three projects, as well as some other surveillance efforts, which makes it possible then to compare across different types of populations. That's great. Another audience question that we're getting is, is there similar work in middle school? So um, there, I'm not really, well, so I think some of the club, the youth sports work that's been going on is related um, may get at the middle school level, but I don't know that there's been a large scale effort that's focused, um, on the middle school 
that is and like similar to what nation has done with the secondary schools but that would be a great area to study thank you so we're getting a lot of really good questions coming in from the audience and one of them is is there any data about the use of injury risk uh, pre- or injury reduction programs or injury prevention programs in softball um so I think that there, I, I'm not positive that the, I, I, I think I might have to say, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a lot of research just in general in softball, uh, at least a, it related to epidemiology. We saw a lot more um, work that's been done in baseball, for example. Um, so some of the d- descriptive reports have focused more, more there. I, I think what our um, study helps to, to do might help um, give some people some insight and in where they might want to go in terms of some prevention programs. Um, for example, I know that there are, you know, we promote the lower extremity injury prevention programs, but if you look at some of the data that we found, um, that the softball athletes, um, are, are having suffering shoulder injuries or hand and finger injuries. And so more of those prevention programs in the upper extremity would be a great place to, um, research and gather more information. So specifically looking at the non-time loss injuries, what were the big injuries that might be, uh, might warrant injury prevention? Yeah. So I think our top injuries overall that we saw a lot of injuries were, well, to the shoulder, um, hand and fingers were another body area of, um, that that we would, we saw injuries. Um, and then the types of injuries they were, um, suffering often were contusions, abrasions, um, and some strains their sprains. Mm-hmm. Um, so those might be what you might expect, sort of a, um, a number of injuries. So those would be some to focus on, um, in, at least for actually non-time loss and time loss. Another t- area for time loss injuries was related to concussion. Um, that in our findings in the report from the nation data, that was the highest um, percentage of injuries were for non-time loss. And, and that might be because across the country, um, there are new guidelines and, and, and standards of practice that require removal from play. So it makes sense that, that we found um, that related to those injuries. Thank you. Another mm-hmm. audience question that we're getting, and I know you didn't specifically break down by um, position in the manuscript, but do you mm-hmm. have a general sense of if certain injuries were attributed more to different positions? Right. And and that's a great question. And unfortunately, we weren't able to break that down, um, given the data that we have. But that is certainly um, something to look at, uh, uh, you know, the significance of some of those injuries. So we we have more work to do there. um, We don't have all of those answers by position for this manuscript. Thank you. How does this fit into the bigger picture of relative to other sports um, in regard to risk of time loss and non-time loss injury? Well, I think that we saw from our data um, uh, that that softball injuries um, are, our softball players are suffering injuries and and they're actually suffering quite a, a number of them. Um, again, I think it's, it's telling that a lot of them are non-time loss. So for me, that was one of the, well, it's not a surprising finding if you look across all of the studies and, and compared to other sports, I think we also find that, but I think more work needs to be going into the idea of how can you have 
you know, you have injuries and what, what is it, what are the characteristics or what's the nature of an injury that allows you to keep playing when you have technically an injury? Yeah. Um, so I think that, um, that was quite, um, an, an interesting type finding that we saw and, and something we might see across other studies, but it's important here. Um, that just that idea of, of, of really what, um, what's the makeup or, or how do you under, how can we better understand those? Um, another thing that we found that just, if you think about epidemiology studies, and I, again, this isn't necessarily, um, overly surprising information, but we did find that, um, the injury rate was higher in, uh, preseason. And again, you might expect that because at the start of the season, you might see more injuries or you might have a higher rate of injuries, but I think that's an area that we need to look at and, and look at prevention. Are there things that we can do to better prepare athletes when they're coming out for the, um, the preseason, um, or are there ways that we need to alter our programs to help prevent those? So I think that was another, um, area of, of some interest and something to explore further. Yeah. I thought that that was really interesting reading the manuscript, how preseason seemed to be, um, kind of an unthought about area, but should be, (laughs) pay attention to, Mm -hmm. um, clinically. And then another aspect that you guys talked about was the differences in practice versus game scenarios. Can you give us a little bit of insight into how injury rates differed between those? Yeah. So I think overall, and, and this is a a, a thing I'm sorry, I flipped my paper just so I can look at my table to speak correctly, but in terms of the type of data we collected, we reported on a couple of different things. Um, well, obviously, overall time loss and non-time loss. Um, but the data are also reported as frequencies. So looking at percentages of injuries that happen. And then we also report on, um, injury rates or the, the rate values. And so if we look at the, the sheer number of injuries, if we look between practice and competition, we see that we have more injuries, um, in practice. So a higher percentage of them are there. But the nice thing is if you equate them on the same, um, if, if we put them in terms of athlete exposures, we actually found that for overall injuries, taking all of them into account, the rate was higher in competition mm-hmm. than in practice. So while we have a higher percentage of injuries in practice, we have more practices. So it's actually the rate of injury is higher in competition. So that's just a, an, a, a way to look at some of the data and how to interpret that. So another question that we're having is, have there been any rule changes or styles of play that you know of that result in fluctuations of injury rates or severity in softball injuries? Right. That's a great question. And I was at a recent conference and they were talking about some of this also. To our knowledge with our data that we have, um, we're not aware of anything that would have influenced that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a great consideration because if somebody, um, either by a rule change or a culture change in the sport, um, it's possible that, um, that that would influence the rates of injuries over time. So if, some, if people started wearing a protective device of some sort that might prevent a particular type of injury, um, and and we we did we don't have knowledge that any of that um, influenced our our findings for our study. Based upon what you guys found with injuries, are there any thoughts of inclusion of per of protective equipment? Well, 
we, you know, the, the area that we found a lot of, or the types of injuries, we had a high number of contusions and abrasions mm-hmm. and things like that. So I don't know that, um, we, we came up with an idea that something was glaring that we need to have, um, this, uh, you know, a protect, a protective device in any certain way from those data, but it, it sure does bring the attention to being prepared for types of wounds and cleaning and care procedures and things like that, whether or not that translates to some sort of protective gear. I'm not sure at the, at the, the right at the moment, but, um, that that's a great approach. And that's exactly what you want to dial in on when you're doing descriptive epidemiology reports is, is there something we could do mm-hmm. to make the sport safer? So can you give us a little bit of insight of how you think your findings can be used to guide athletic training medical practice? Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. I, um, I think there's a, a lot of ways that you can use the information. I mean, as you know, I, I, I'm an educator and so I, I teach the students about um, these types of data. And, and one thing that I want students to be are consumers of the information. And so, you know, descriptive reports aren't the only type of epidemiology report out there, but they're very valuable if you're trying to fig- identify where you need to put your efforts, what types of injuries you need to prepare to prepare for, um, common injuries you might see to then develop a prevention program to be proactive, to help in your population. So I think our sport would be obviously related to softball, but these types of reports in general are just very informative to, to help you understand what's, what type of injuries you're going to see, when you're going to see them, where you're going to see them, where you're going to see them, and, and maybe ultimately the outcome of them. The other way I think that you could use an, uh, the descriptive epidemiology report like the one that we've um, produced is comparing your, your own institution to national estimates. So if I know that if I'm at a site and I, I start tracking the injuries that I'm seeing mm-hmm. and maybe I'm newer to the sport or I have a hunch that I have too many or I'm having a lot of ankle injuries or more than it seems like uh, – shoulder injuries, you can compare your, your data to these national um, reports to see if you're in line with what might be expected. And if you're somehow, maybe not, it might give you an idea of some areas to, um, to work on. So I think it can help practice in a, in a, a number of different ways. Yeah. One of the things that I really liked in the discussion is how you guys talked about, you know, even just as simple as what you put in the kit that travels with the team right. can be informed by this data. Right. Right. Because if you're, you know, you're going to get a lot of contusions and abrasions and you need to make sure that you're prepared to, to help in those situations. So I think that if you, if you look at the data, it, it really can help inform your practice um, of, you know, what you're going to see when what you need to help, whether it's to manage the injury right away or prevent it from occurring in the future. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, what, if any, were surprising findings that came up with this work? Yeah, I think, um, well, again, I, I, I probably touched on a little of them already. I, I, um, I think it's not necessarily surprising, but I think we have to really digest the fact that a lot of what we do, our athletic trainers or athletic healthcare, what we're dealing with is are a lot of non-time loss injuries. So that's a huge um, proportion of the injuries. Mm-hmm. And so what can we do to 
to prevent those. So again, it's not surprising, but I think it's just something that we, we keep seeing. And I think we intuitively know that too, but more attention I think is, is warranted there. Um, also, I think again, not particularly surprising, but the, the preseason um, rate of injury um, again, are there things we can do to better prepare the athletes when they come in so that they're not, um, you know, experience an injury right at the start of the sport. And um, that would, uh, that was another one. Um, the large number of concussions may have been a bit surprising and that really weren't some more attention. Uh, the, I shouldn't say the large number of concussions, but then the, you know, we saw a great number of them or they were the higher in terms of the time loss ones. Again, it makes sense because they require time loss, um, by a lot of, um, our, our, by our state, our practice standards, but that was something else that, that stood out. Yeah. I guess it's proof that legislation and changes in practice are, are working, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So one of the questions that our audience is asking is how can an athletic trainer in a secondary school environment get involved with the nation study? Are there ways? Oh, well, I, I think that that's a great question. And I think that um, this is an effort that uh, that we would encourage or like more participants. So um, I'm not sure, uh, you know, I, I think contacting Daedalus or somebody from Daedalus could contact the um, the individual if we could get their name and, and look into that because they really are, are trying to get perpa- uh, participation from um, a large representation of athletic trainers. So any help I think would be welcome. Yeah, we're definitely getting some audience questions that it sounds like you've generated a lot of interest. So that's oh, great. Good. Very um, good. What are your next steps for both this study and the nation project as a whole? Well, I can't speak completely for the nation project because that really that is run by Daedalus. And um, I, I from my understanding, um, they're interested in uh, the continued effort, sustained effort, and then also in ensuring that all of the information, um, the data are, are um, shared with, um, you know, uh, athletic trainers and those in athletic healthcare are interested in these topics. So I, I um, anticipate that those efforts are going to be ongoing. And I, I really have to actually thank them for, uh, for them allowing us to even use their, to use their information and help being part of that dissemination effort. Um, so I think, um, so I think we'll see more studies coming there. And I think they actually have some more recently, um, data that's going to even be coming out too. So we'll see some updates and maybe look at some, um, trends there. Um, my interest is, you know, I like, to help share this information. So my involvement is, is likely going to be um, working on some like projects in, in terms of descriptive epidemiology. And, um, and I have a, a few things in the works, but there's some other injuries to that, that we're interested in further exploring so that that's on the horizon. So a personal question, did you plan to get into epidemiology research from the beginning? How did you get into this? Well, so I, that's a great, that's a question. And I, um, a few years ago, I actually had, um, I had, I had a very fortunate experience in that I I was able to complete a postdoctoral research fellowship that was funded through the NHA foundation. Um, 
and it was on clinical outcomes research. And um, part of that fellowship was was taking courses at a at a, um, and learning more about the science of epidemiology because it was also part of the foundation and some of those methods that related to outcomes assessment. And so, I I spent a lot of time studying epidemiology in very different ways, and um, and it just sparked my interest. And uh, I think it can be really tangible and useful to clinicians. So I'm just it kind of sparks piqued my interest there. And I'm just feel fortunate that I've been able to be involved in these types of projects. That's great. Um, Yeah, I think it's far more than just looking at frequencies and injury rates. It's far more applicable than at first glance. Well, I, I think that you can get caught up in all of the numbers and they look a little bit, I mean, the tables are always big with lots of numbers. And so it takes some time to digest them. Um, but you know, I, I think if you, if, you know, look at those, pay attention to the commentaries and it might lead you in some ideas of where you can inform practice. So I think they're real, real applicable. Any other tips for a clinical athletic trainer who's reading epidemiology research like this to really gather their own take home messages? Yeah, I think, um, that's a, that's a great question. I think, um, again, not getting overwhelmed by too much of the data, but maybe thinking a couple of, of when you're, when you see one of those reports, because they'll have tables on the body parts injured and the time, you know, when they happened and, um, who they're happening to and really picking one or two areas that might be of interest and, and start, start small to digest it. I think, um, that might, that might be helpful. But again, sometimes I, I think in the commentaries, we try to highlight what we think might be a bigger take home message. So those are always a good spot too. But don't feel like you have to focus on all of the data points. Pick something that might speak to you more. Like, are you interested in the season or the type of practice or the type of injury? And then maybe start there and then your interest might grow. Make it more digestible. More yeah, small bits and, and then digest it that way. Great. Mm-hmm. So um, just one more question for you with- with um, what you guys have collected and where you've seen the um, epidemiology kind of grow as a field in athletic training, what are you excited about for the future of this area of research? Well, I think there's a lot of possibility with types like surveillance types of efforts. And I think just nationally, the more attention to big data and collecting and counting and reflective practice. Um, and I think those are messages we hear in athletic healthcare as well. And so I think as people see the value in what the data can bring, there's more interest in getting involved um, and, and, and more under, you know, appreciation of what the, the data can tell us. So I think there's a lot of room for growth um, getting better data, more data, um, and, uh, you know, and then in, 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 and with the hopes that that can then change practice and form practice and, and eventually help the lives of the athletes. So I think there's a lot of room for potential, just what's going on in our own profession, but nationally this emphasis on, um, data and how we can use it to better what we're doing. Great. 
Well, again, thank you so much, Dr. Snyder-Vallier. I really appreciate you taking time to talk with us today and sharing your really important work that has grown out of the efforts that athletic trainers are doing it simply as documentation and providing us with so much information uh, specifically today looking at non-time loss and time loss injuries um, and softball athletes. And if anybody who's listening to this podcast or watching the videos right now did not get a chance to read this, it is a really great digestible um, epidemiology paper from the Journal of Athletic Training. So thank you and your um, co-authors for making this possible and publishing with JAT. And again, this broadcast will be up on all of JAT's social media and will be turned into a podcast. So anybody who thinks that there is somebody out there that would benefit from this, please share it. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, well, thank you so much for having me. And and uh, I was I was hoping to have a spot to shout out to the authors. And all of the paper wouldn't be possible without the without all the contributions of the authors. So um, I, I was just very fortunate to be part of a great collaborative team. Great, thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. Bye bye.